the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Reverend Don Lincoln. Good morning, Paoli. Jeff, thanks for hosting and making sure I knew where I was supposed to be and what I should wear and all the things for uh, today. Connor and the band, thank you for leading in worship today. I, I realized today, I, I started singing in church choirs in first grade, but led my first worship team with a guitar 27 years ago. Um, I love all kinds of music. There's so many ways to praise God. So it's great to be with folks who understand that and get that. And Maddie and students... Um, my first mission trip was 50 so, some years ago. And see what happens when God messes with you on mission trips. So uh, it's so good to be back uh, this week. And again, I'll say if I do okay today, you'll invite me back next week and the week after that. But I'm, I'm delighted that the air conditioning is on for the second Sunday in a row. And this morning, I did not have to drive through driving rain and floodwaters on 202. So things are, things are looking good uh, to be here at Paoli. I've chosen another text from Luke's gospel for today. So listen. Um, listen to the words of Jesus. It's the 18th chapter of Luke, beginning of verse 9. Now, Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth, of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, break open your word for us as we ponder it, that our lives might be reframed, rearranged, renegotiated by the power of your spirit to be a living witness to your love in the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so all, all of you drivers in here, raise a hand. Raise a hand. Keep it up. All right. Now, keep them up. How many of you, like me... Consider yourselves to be at least a little bit better than an average driver. I don't think one went, maybe one went down. I, you know, okay. I love driving a creek road that goes along the Brandywine Creek near where I live in Pocopson Township. Not, not just because my car handles so well, and it does, but because I'm a better than average driver. I was, I was a delivery boy in a pharmacy in high school, back when they used to have those. It was a family-owned pharmacy. And by the two years, junior and senior year in high school, by the time I graduated from high school, I had 100,000 miles under my belt. 
I know how to handle a vehicle. And I'm a great driver. Don't say anything. My wife is here. So. And it's funny, as humor columnist Dave Barry says, the one thing that unites all human beings, all human beings, regardless of age, gender, religion, ethnic background, or economic status, is that deep down inside, we all believe we are above average drivers. Well, the Pharisee in this story today is, is way, way better than an average driver. But first, in order to really hear this story, you and I have to forget the, the prejudice that church life has probably put into our minds about Pharisees. And some of that comes because Jesus frequently had some stinging remarks about them. But, but we have to stop automatically you know, shouting boo when the Pharisee gets up to bat in a scripture story. This Pharisee is way better than an average driver. He's a good man by his own admittance. He's, he's not a crook. He hasn't done time. He's not a womanizer. He likes, likely takes nothing. Uh, he hasn't honestly earned. He, he gives everyone fair and full measure. He's faithful to his wife. He's patient with his children. He's steadfast with his friends. He is a good man according to how most of us would define one. On top of that, he's not only good, he is religious. And not hypocritically religious, at least from the way he describes himself. His outward uprightness is matched by an inward discipline. He fasts twice a week. He goes to temple regularly, and he puts his money where his mouth is. 10% tithe. 10% tithe to the temple. I'll bet it's probably even before taxes. If you happen to know a couple dozen folks just like him, I know quite a few congregations that would accept them and their pledge cards, no questions asked. This Pharisee is the faithful in church every Sunday tither who pays the salaries of ministers like me so we can preach on the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Publican is what they called the tax collector. That's the name given to him in the King James Version. And I still like that ancient moniker, publican. The Pharisees clearly not at all like this publican, who as a tax farmer, if you will, is the worst kind of crook, a legal one. A mafia-style enforcer who's working for the Roman government in a nifty little franchise that he's contracted out with them to collect from fellow Jews. People the Roman government has a difficult time finding, but he knows where they live and he speaks their language. And he collects all the money he can extort from them, provided he simply pays the Roman authorities a predetermined fee. In other words, this publican lives on the cream. He skims off his neighbor's milk money. He would be the fat cat who rides around in the stretch limo, drinks single malt scotch, and wears custom-tailored suits. He works for a corrupt foreign government and gouges his own people. 
There's no question in the community he is religiously unclean, reprehensible to everyone in the neighborhood. Yet Jesus announces a, a, a reversal in this story, a reversal like so many of them of Jesus, I always, I always just throughout life and ministry quickly and readily accept because after all, it's what Jesus says. This is the way it is. And I, I hear it, I agree with it, and I move on. But do you and I really hear what it is we're agreeing with if we agree with Jesus? That a strongly religious, fasting, praying, tithing, church attending, above average driver is not justified? And in fact, the one who is justified is the one who, after beating his chest and crying for mercy, may very, walk, very well walk out of the confessional booth right back into his stretch limo and continue merrily on fleecing his neighbors out of their hard-earned cash. Really? Jesus? And, and if you actually noticed in the text, the Pharisee even thanks God. Thanks God. I thank you, God, that I am not like... Thanks God for who he is or who he is not. Gives God the credit here, not saying it's all his doing. So put yourself in the shoes of Jesus' listeners. Would they have readily accepted Jesus' reversal in the story? Really? I'm, I'm thinking his listeners are going like, who? The tax collector? <laughs> yeah, we know him. Well, dig into the text a little bit with me, because there's some little nuances that I, that I like to notice here. First, that even the, though the tax collector is standing far off, he could be in the back corner of the temple. The praying, praying Pharisee sees him. Not about you, but I, I was always taught to pray with my eyes closed. Less diversion. I don't know, checking out the competition. I love prayer of confession in the life of worship, you know, but, you know, you always want to maybe kind of get a little glimpse of the less than average sinners sitting nearby. Thanks be to God, I'm not like. And notice who the Pharisee mentions as his comparison or, or his competition. Only the tax collector. Is it possible they were the only two guys in the temple that day? Unlikely. But he picks out who? The tax collector. Frankly, a pretty easy mark to look good next to. Of course, that wouldn't be any of us, right? I, I, I don't know about you, but I've used that kind of comparison since I was a kid. Well, Mom, I'm not as bad as Joey. And we use that all through life. Tell the boss, the neighbor, the spouse, well, I, you know, I could have been. Choose the context. You and I have said it. What if instead of comparing himself to someone else, the Pharisee had compared himself to no one other than himself? To look in the mirror and ask the question, am, am I who I have been intended to be? Am I all that I've been made to be, equipped to be, called to be by God? Never mind anybody else whose, whose burdens and secrets and upbringing and, and gifts and challenges and struggles and demons I have no way of knowing about. Never mind them. How am I doing against me? 
how prone you and I are to, to look everywhere else, <laughs> everywhere but, but here. To look at everybody else's warts and, and acknowledge how we're not nearly as bad as they are. And, and then maybe like the Pharisee, wrap it up in a nice religious bow and gratefully honoring God that we've been so blessed by God to be who we are and not like them. Well, let me, let me bring it home a little bit. Try this on for size. Thanks be to God, I am not like that ignorant, reactionary, bigoted, right-wing Republican who only wants what they want, wants to keep what they have to take us back 100 years and the rest of humanity be danged. Or, thanks be to God, I'm not like that utopian, idealistic, tree-hugging Democrat who would give away the store only to find before long there's no more store left to give provisions to anyone. Nobody in this room has ever said anything close to that kind of stuff, right? If you caught the words in the introduction to this story, Luke says, Jesus told this parable to some who regarded others with contempt. Oops. If the shoe fits, I know it does for me. A deeper point is, is the other half of, of Luke's introduction. He says, Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. You know, maybe it is about making comparisons, not comparisons so much to oneself or to others, but comparison to God. Righteous. My favorite interpreter of Jesus' parables, Episcopalian author Robert Ferrer Capon, wrote this. As far as the Pharisee's ability to win a game of justification with God is concerned, he's no better off than the publican. As a matter of fact, the Pharisee may actually be worse off, because while both men are losers, the publican at least has sense enough to recognize that fact and trust God's offer of a free drink a gift of grace. The point of the parable is that they are both dead in their sin. And their only hope is in someone who can raise the dead. The publican wasn't justified by what he did any more than the Pharisee was by his life. The publican just went away justified in Jesus' story, I think, because he laid himself at the feet of the very one who can justify any of us. Remember his words? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I don't think this parable is really so much about humility, but about the futility of religion. At least if we think our religion earns us God's favor. The true religion this parable teaches is that God's favor, freely given, is the only thing you and I can count on, the only thing we can bank on. And without God's favor, we're all dead. And without God, not a one of us will be raised. It, it 
sticks with me. Jesus makes it clear, regarding others with contempt is one sure sign that you and I have either forgotten the truth or never knew it in the first place. That each and every one of us, and I'm going to use some old Presbyterian language of membership to say it, each and every one of us is a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving God's displeasure and without hope except in God's sovereign mercy. God's gift of grace. Now, I need, to, I, need to, I need to say to you, sort of like I did in the beginning, this parable is a tough one for me to, to hear when I, when, I, when I bring it home, when I, when I contemporize it for, for my own context. Because I have to admit, like most pastors for 42 years of ministry, I was always glad to welcome another couple dozen folks just like this Pharisee, good folks, Upright folks, every Sunday attenders, 10% tithers who would help the congregation meet the annual budget. Heck, most pastors I know would be glad to have every other Sunday attenders who give the average Presbyterian pledge, which is about 2.5%, I think. Any above average Presbyterians we will roll out the red carpet for. But remember, as Dave Barry said, the one thing that unites all human beings, regardless of age, gender, religion, economic status, or ethnic background, is that deep down inside, we all believe we're above average drivers. And we're not. At least in life, we're not, not a single one of us. Thanks be to God, the good news of the gospel is that the Lord loves us anyway. Pharisee and publican alike and everything in between loves each and every one of us, no matter who or what we are or what we've done. Loves us in the grace of Jesus Christ, loves us enough to die for us, loves us enough to raise us every day to new life in Christ. And it is with the grace of God, as the band sang, I will rise. Only with the grace of God will I arise to a new day and new life of Christ. Thanks be to God for that gift given to all. May it be so for you and me this day. Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we know you are a holy God, but you, you are also our God, the, the one who claimed us, who saved us, who called us and invited us to express your love and life in the world. So, so we lift our prayers to you this day. We give you thanks that the mystery of your purposes has been made plain in Jesus Christ. May we, your church, and by your church that means us, we know, O oh God, May we teach and proclaim the truth revealed in Jesus, the selfless love modeled by him, and the riches of your mercy poured out through him. Today we pray for our president and our representatives, for all the powerful in the world, those who lead and rule and direct the work of nations, that they would use their positions in ways that strengthen and care for the weak, Rescue the lost from their despair and engender greater love and unity amongst all peoples.
Holy God, we pray especially for a decrease in tension between North and South Korea. And we continue to pray for an end to war in Ukraine. We pray for those still feeling the effects of storms and flooding as well as excessive heat. God, we pray for those for whom this weekend brought not movie openings, but closed doors in job searches, test results, broken relationships. We pray for the Belize mission team from this congregation who left very early this morning. We pray that you would guide them and keep them, keep them healthy and strong and with eyes open to see your work in the world. We pray for all those who are sick, those who have been hospitalized, those awaiting tests, those recovering from surgery. We're grateful that former pastor of this congregation, Dick Streeter, is home from the hospital. We lift up the family and friends of Libby Bauer as they celebrate her life this Saturday and rejoice that day in the sure and certain promise of resurrection. We lift our prayers, O God, in the strong name of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.